0: And, uh, and that sermon, wouldn't you know, it was on Hidden Sin, Pastor Ray Ruby, and God read my mail. This cornered me. And I remember, like, there's no question about it, and God's dealing with me. And I even, I go to the altar, and I'm, I'm telling God, if you want me to do this, you need to give me a sign. Because I'm scared to death. I'm scared to death to do this, Lord. I don't want to do this. If there's any other way. <laughs> but give me a sign.
1: Welcome to the Free Sermon Podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. Welcome once again to Testimony Tuesday
2: here on the VBPH Sermon Podcast. This is Pastor Adam with you here once again, and we are very blessed to have another pastor with us on the line, uh, this time from the Claremont Church in San Diego, California, and we are blessed to have Pastor Jonathan Green with us. Welcome to the show, sir.
0: Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. It's good to be here. So,
2: uh, this is my first time speaking with you, Jonathan, but uh, you have probably been listening to me for more than I would care to admit. Uh, you, you told me earlier that uh, you have been a subscriber since early days. So this is one of those weird instances where if you, you've you yeah. heard plenty from me, but I have heard nothing from you. So <laughs> thank you for being a, a longtime <laughs> subscriber. Appreciate you, man.
0: Oh, it's a, it's a blessing. You no, know. thank you. I've heard you a lot. <laughs> and i appreciate the podcast a lot
2: well yeah i mean you you told me that uh that you were listening to the free version before we had the subscription and um i'm just just curious uh you know like what how have you been using the podcast like what what does it do for you
0: um well, when i was pioneering uh, you know you're not getting as many sermons preached to you so when i found it i I cleared out a couple of church apps. Tucson has an app. um, Prescott. I cleared them out, and I was out of sermons. And then somebody showed me this, and there was hundreds of them. So I was good for a long time. Um, But I I I probably listened to most of them, Um, especially on that older version. You had you got some good ones way way back there. Some (laughs) yeah, yeah. and
2: that's actually some. I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of people don't know we do leave the full history up on you know, on the podcast feed. So you can go back and listen to some old timer ones. I think the total is we're we're getting close to like 1500 sermons on the directory. So I know it's kind of a pain to go back and look through all of them, but, uh, but there's a bunch on there for sure.
0: Yeah, it's well worth it too. So some people you should go back there. There's some really good ones in there.
2: <laughs> awesome. Well, Jonathan, since I don't know you, and since uh, many of our listeners don't know you, why don't you uh, give yourself an introduction and give us the conference-style report of what God's been doing with you? Um, Yeah,
0: my name is Jonathan Green. Uh, My wife is Denise. Um, We pastor in San Diego, the southern part of San Diego, um, out of the Claremont Church. Pastor Joe Rice is my pastor. We were there for four and a half years. Uh, just about just about that mark, and then um our last conference, which was the Tempe conference, we got we got announced to go to Bolivia, um so we we were looking for a pastor to come in, but um my pastor after he prayed um, he decided actually he was going to merge the church with another one of our baby works in La Mesa, which is also in San Diego, um just kind of east, and actually my cousin is the pastor of that church. Uh, Oh wow, amazing. Yeah, who's so that? We turned, uh, Emmanuel,
2: you actually did. A
0: oh, Yeah, yeah. Oh, wonderful! So, That's great. Yeah, so I it went. It was actually really good. Almost all of the people, the core went, and even some of the people who weren't really coming that much started going more. So I don't know, maybe they like him better or <laughs> whatever the case is. I'm very excited. They're doing really good. um Our people are doing really good there too. So.
2: Praise um, God that's amazing yeah
0: that so you, that about you're it, preparing,
2: that you're preparing to go to bolivia yes yeah wow that's a that's exciting
0: yeah it is yeah <laughs> so do you me. have
2: a you have a you have a timeline about uh traveling and getting established there
0: yes, um I got my I'm going beginning of February maybe middle of February is my official launch date uh before that we were kind of up in the air we didn't know. Um, we kind of took a couple months to get our church handed over too, so that that kind of delayed it. But I got my passports in. I got five kids, so all seven passports are in. Um and then we're we're emptying my house right now, and then in February, uh, we should be out of here.
2: Okay. Well, I remember that process very well. <laughs> I remember <laughs> uh re- I remember when we were struggling to get rid of a bunch of stuff. We, you know, we put it up, posted it, tried to sell everything and, you know, stuff that didn't sell. We were like, uh, hey, if you need house stuff, uh, come by on Saturday. Yeah. (laughs) And then (laughs) so the church people were stopping by the whole day. It was like the swarming locust and the the feasting locust. And (laughs) by the time the day was over, there was nothing left. But (laughs) that was a blessing. I remember... (laughs) There's a funny story for you. I remember coming back off of the mission field for a for a furlough, and we had, coming back from Bulgaria, right, to to a conference. And I, I go over to a friend's house for some fellowship, and I get into his kitchen, and I said, "Hey, that's my refrigerator." <laughs> it was still serving God there in my brother's house, so
0: yeah, it's God. <laughs>
2: yeah, we're. What you have there. to look forward. Yeah, I know. That's awesome, yeah, man, well, that's a big decision for a family of seven that's that's pretty cool how old are are your kids?
0: uh my oldest will be eleven in January. Oh, I might mess this up. My wife's listening um <laughs> then, <laughs> then uh my then nine she just turned nine um seven that one could be wrong four, and then the baby will be two this month actually
2: ooh man, yeah. young family.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We got started right away.
2: Praise God. Praise God. Well, that's, uh, that sounds exciting. Your, your wife has a lot of work ahead of her.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She's, <laughs> uh, we homeschool, so she's already kind of kind of geared up for all that. But, uh,
2: but yeah, it's crazy. Praise God. Wow. Well, we'll, we'll get to uh some of the details on that a little bit later on, but, um, uh, why don't you, uh, begin by going back to the beat? I got to tell you, man, that, uh, you're, you're, your testimony was like recommended to me about 7 different times. Uh so I'm glad <laughs> so there must be some kind of crazy story here so I can't wait to hear it but wh- why don't you uh why don't you let us know what what it was like for you growing up where where and how did you grow up?
0: Um well I actually grew up in church. My uh my parents were were married in my mother church. They both came in um oh, man 30 36, 37 years ago. My dad came in first. He was in the military, in the Navy. Um, actually got saved in Guam. Um, then came out to San Diego. Pastor Buckles was, was uh, pioneering the church.
2: Oh, I man, I, was, I love Pastor Buckles.
0: Yeah, uh, a, o, a OG for sure. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so the church was still in his living room. In fact, he was one of the first pastors that I was just with him this week, and he was telling me, they were one of the first pastors to pastor out of their home um way back when so my dad was in his living room um then my mom um came to San Diego state for a couple of years um got saved as well and got locked into the church um they got married there so i was i'm a second generation christian born and raised my parents have been in the church forever um so that that's my upbringing um i've got four four well three siblings there's four of us total uh so yeah the church was still in his living room he was one of the first to be pastoring out of his house so i mean we're talking pioneer pioneer work and then my mom came in a little bit later um she got saved in in the imperial valley which is like el centro area um but came over here for school and then uh and then got locked into the church because she was already saved. And then, uh, and then it was a couple of years before they got married. And then, um, obviously got married in the church, Jesus people style. And then I was born. And then I also have three siblings. So, so yeah, I'm I've been in since the beginning first, wow. second generation. Yeah.
2: Okay. Okay. Back to the beginning. Yeah. So what do you what do you remember from those early days?
0: Um I obviously because um, my parents were were not just in the church, but they were they were real Christians, especially my mom. It was just a real deal that, you know incredible relationship with God. So the earliest, you know, obviously I remember going to church just all of the time. That was that was quite normal for us. But, uh, but I remember just a stable home, too. I, I've literally seen my parents argue one time in their entire life. And, and voices weren't raised, either. To the tune where we were kind of shocked and kind of worried when we saw the little bit of tension we saw with them because, you know, it was so foreign to us. We didn't know. We thought that was like, what, you know, they're getting a divorce. Something's going on. They had a, they had a little tiff. And now that I'm married, I know that's completely normal. But you know, that was my life growing up and my, and my mom did a, and dad did a really good job. They didn't, uh, they, they sheltered me, not just right, you know, put me in a bubble and don't let me do nothing, but you know, the kids at school, you know, you know, go to this hangout or, you know, sleepover or the school's having a dance or, you know, and, and they were just kind of, no, I'm sorry. You can't, we're not doing that. And so I remember, I, you know, I remember being pretty innocent, you know, till, till later, you know, most, most kids had more exposure than I did. And we didn't have the TV. I remember having to tell my friends, cause you know, my, my parents were saved and, and married in the church and they never even owned a TV. So I've never owned one in my life. So I would be in school and, and the kids, did you see this show? And no, I'd have to. and I remember being, I do remember being incredibly embarrassed. That I had to tell him I didn't have a TV, you know. And oh, one meet. of those
2: weird people.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you can't, I couldn't sleep over there. How, you? what do you mean you can't come over? You know, it's my birthday party. I know, I can't, I, you know. And so I remember kind of resenting it a little bit at that point, thinking, you know, what's the big deal? You know, it's not like, you know. I remember my parents had an announcement for us. Oh, actually, my baby brother was going to be born. And uh, and they they told us they had a surprise for us and we were so excited and literally, you know they they told us to guess and I said we're getting a TV, I was excited she said, we got a surprise <laughs> we're getting a TV wow, <laughs> no my little brother was <laughs> was on the way she, they were announcing their pregnancy even so, better than TV yeah you know and which we were excited but th- you know that was kind of my mindset. um, I would I would resent and that was the only resentment I had just kind of like dang it man I can't do nothing I can't do anything you know Um, I can't do nothing with my friends at school Uh, but we were heavily involved in church so I had a ton of friends at church so you know it it didn't it's not like I was missing out too much because I would I would hang out with you know sleepovers with my friends at church and stuff like that but those would be my earliest memories kind of our Christian life and And the radical stands my parents made and they would bleed out into my into my school life um (laughs) those those would be some of my earliest
2: memories gee what a drag right (laughs) yeah we didn't have a tv
0: man sheesh
2: what what do you what do you remember from the church life at the time like do, do you have any recollection of you know how the church was doing and what was going on there
0: yeah, um from what I can remember and I and I remember just bits and pieces and then I was just with Pastor Buckle so I was kind of getting some of that stuff filled in but but uh but the church obviously was a pioneer setting but went through a couple of like pretty big revivals you know but I was too young to really know but you know took some huge leaps um, in two particular seasons, and then I, re- I remember Pastor Buckles as a pioneer of like the creative outreach. Um, so you know, Pastor Buckles did, if not the first haunted house, one of the first haunted houses. Um, and then he would always do. Play- Pastor Buckles is a play guy. You know, we do a lot of plays, and I remember he loved putting the gun with the blanks in the play. And I was young, and I hated the gun with the blanks. So, yeah. <laughs> He always had somebody getting shot. So, you know, and then his haunted houses, you know, and, and he would go over the top. But that that was kind of the atmosphere, these creative outreaches. And, and he was, you know, storming the city. My dad told me they would go down to the pride parades and, and and they'd be street preaching, but not just street preaching. He told me they put no exit sign, exit only signs on their backsides. and <laughs> <laughs> And got into some altercations and you know, just just kind of wild and crazy. Um, uh, so I remember I heard those stories, but then I would remember just Pastor Buckles. We'd be doing some outreach down one time. There's there was a you know, I don't know what to call him without offending people. Uh, he was a dwarf preacher, he was door, a midget. You know, I don't want to offend anybody, but he was and he couldn't walk, so he was he was kind of handicapped, but he was a preacher. And he preached off of a skateboard. He literally, they would set up a table on the stage and sit him on a skateboard and he would preach and he would kind of roll back and forth. Well, Pastor Buckles got the idea to turn him into a ventriloquist doll, took him down to the boardwalk, put paint on him and was pretending he was a ventriloquist doll. <laughs> and then he sets the doll down and the doll gets up and starts preaching. People were freaking out. But he did oh that. Oh, my stuff. gosh. <laughs> He did that stuff all the time, you know. So that's what I remember, and, and you know, for us, it was kind of normal. But uh, I remember some of those creative outreaches and and, and stuff like that.
2: Yeah. Okay, so uh, so as a kid growing up, like in the fellowship uh, and all the standards and all of the activities that come along with it, uh, and you know what what I've heard from most church kids that have grown up in the fellowship. And really, this is probably common with with any kind of church kid. But at some point, you have to start making decisions for yourself. Were were you? uh, Were you one of those kids that kind of naturally um, stuck to, you know, the word of God? Or were you tend to be a little more rebellious in your spirit?
0: Um. I want to say both and I'll explain why my parents did such a great job in sheltering me. I didn't have access to some of this stuff. um. So, so I just didn't know about some stuff, but inside I had a, I wouldn't say a rebellious heart. I would say a very curious heart and, and, and I would experience something. And for a church kid, the first time you do anything, it's, it's kind of exhilarating, you know, you're,
2: there yeah. is pleasure in sin. Otherwise, we wouldn't do yeah. it.
0: And so yeah, exactly. I would I would uh I would get involved and stuff. So, but that started happening later. But I had a sensitivity in my heart again. Um I guess another one of my memories of Pastor Buckles is he would he had a heavy uh end times ministry that he very regularly he would preach on it or he would show these rapture videos. Uh, and they were the cheesiest things you've ever seen in your life but i was just a young kid and i remember i would they would grip me and i would be uh uh oh, i'd be super scared <laughs> man my fear was i don't know if i'm going that was always my fear and and i remember i'd have conversations with my mom eight nine ten eleven years old after one of these videos on a regular basis i'd i'd be in their room after church just just ask him how do i know how do i know if i'm safe how do i know if i'm going you know what you know so that was in me there was this fear of god my i think my mom did a really good job of putting the fear of god in me not just threatening me but somehow she made it real to me that no god is real and he's watching and i knew it i just somehow i knew it that he's real but i just couldn't the plight of every church kid and and you can compare notes i've compared notes with a lot of church kids uh the the question we always have is we don't feel safe i don't because what you know, what happens is, is a ex gang member, drug addict, murdered seven people. He gets up, he gives his testimony, and he said, "Man, I felt the weight of my sin lifted, and I felt the forgiveness of God." And, exactly. And I would sit in the audience, and I'm thinking, I've never felt that. I've prayed that prayer, but I never felt that. So am I not saved? And I prayed the prayer over and over and over and over and over. And, you know, to the tune of probably hundreds hundreds of times, now hundreds of thousands of times since I've, you know, been around for a little while. But I, I remember distinctly wondering, I don't feel safe. And that would spark my conversations after the rapture videos. What's going on? I don't feel safe. Now, as I got older, I think my mom would explain it to me. And she didn't, she didn't really know how, because she wasn't a church kid, because she had a radical conversion. But she would really just, you know, try to explain to me, you know, it's not Salvation's not a feeling. It's a choice. And she's absolutely right. Um, later on in my testimony, I'll explain some other stuff. But uh, but I remember, OK, finally kind of accepting that in my teen year and in kind of the you know, I, I wouldn't be petrified every time a rapture video would play uh, every time they would, you know, it seems to, it seems like I, you know, either I, I put it away and I stopped worrying about it. Or, it, or the feelings faded, and then I started kind of. Uh, that's when I started kind of exploring more. You know, it seems like when that fear of God kind of dropped a little bit, I started getting a little more brave and a little more, you know, curious. I want to, okay, you know well, it makes sense.
2: So, so how how did that uh, present itself, like in your life? How how what kind of things did you find yourself uh, experimenting with?
0: Um, the main one is sexual immorality. Um, but it didn't start, you know, kids get exposed today, you know, as soon as five years old, for me, I was probably 13, 14 years old, which is still young to me. That's still like, you know, you wish no young man would even have to see anything until he's, you know, but that's when it started and it, and it would be in the form, not of, you know, when you're a church kid and you haven't had no action per se. You know, it doesn't take much to get your imagination going. You could see a, a a lady dressed in some swimming suit, you know, and you could be all of a sudden your mind and your imagination. So it would start with simple stuff like that, you know, simple things like that. And then we finally got a computer in our house, just one, desktop. And they did a really good job of of guarding it up, locking it down. You know, they they kept there was a there was a really good filter they had. You needed a password to even use the internet. You couldn't get in. Um, and so that that helped, but I started getting brave when they were home, but you know, they they weren't looking I would I would kind of search some things out and I would I would look at some stuff. But then one day I cracked the code. It was a four-digit number and my parents god bless them, they just they chose a very simple number. They chose like the year they got married or something like that, and I figured it out. And that night I I dove headlong into some for the first time, actual pornography. I, I searched it out myself. And what's crazy is is I, I cracked the code and, and I went headlong into this. And so this is the first time I'm seeing some stuff. And I did whatever I did. And I was so convicted. I was so just guilty the way I couldn't even breathe. I couldn't. I called them. They didn't even get home. Finished the deed, finished my sin. So convicted, I think I five minutes. I called them and I just confessed. I I found out your code. <laughs> I I did. I was so under so much condemnation, and and I thank God for my mom. She she was uh, part of her testimony to some of those violations, so she could understand as a man what I was struggling with because she had been violated, and then her father had struggled with that. And so I think she wanted for me something different so she didn't just get all like, you know, you're you're a weirdo, you're a pervert, my son, oh my gosh, what's he doing? No, but she really like encouraged me and then she she pointed me um to my pastor. And then there's another pastor in my mother church. He's actually out in Memphis now. His name is Herman Brooks. Um and she pointed he's one of the heroes of my faith and and she actually encouraged me to call him that night and I did. Um which helped, but it didn't Deal with this problem I had just just kind of a confession kind of helped me feel better, I guess, and they changed the code, obviously, but I was starting to find ways to break in, and then the more I would do it that that intense condemnation would kind of lower, and I wouldn't need to fess up anymore I don't know if that makes sense, so my high school years that was the extent of it, you know, pornography, when I could get my hands on it again, we had our house kind of my mom and dad were pretty good, you know there's no t v and internet is locked down. So it would be when I could get a hold of it. But, and then I, you know, I think because I was sheltered, I I was a late bloomer. I didn't go through puberty till like 17 years old. Um, so I remember working at SeaWorld San Diego and I was 16 and people thought I was 10 years old. I looked oh my gosh. Like really baby-faced, really young. I didn't hit my growth spurt till my, my senior year of high school. Um, I shot up like three inches in one summer and so like I just looked really young and kind of you know I'm chubby again but at the time I was chubby and just really you know baby face and dorky so you know I'm not garnering a lot of attention just you know it's just normal I'm not you know I'm not getting picked on or anything like that but you know it's not like the women are lining up but when I got out of high school I started working construction with a friend of mine and I lost 70 pounds in six months
2: oh my gosh that's insane
0: It fell off. Yeah, it just fell off and got skinny. And and then I was working and digging. So, you know, got, got some muscles going, you know. And then I started getting a lot of attention. I really think it was God, though. God kept me looking a certain way all through high school. And I think, you know, the prayers of my parents, I think God just, he just blessed me. I got to dodge a lot of bullets. But when I was 18, all that weight fell off and I started garnering attention now. And it went to my head, and then, and now, all of these new possibilities. Now, here's this curiosity, but on a whole nother level. That you know, you know, if had I had more opportunity, I probably would have made a lot more. You know, I would have went a lot farther than I did. But I turned eighteen, and, and some things started happening quickly, um, like very quickly. Were,
2: were you were you still like regularly in church at by this time? Are you staying at home, or are you moved out now?
0: Um, um, at home, and when I was uh when I was almost nineteen, right before I turned nineteen, I moved out. But I moved in with a brother in the church uh, and his family. He rented me a room. My parents, God bless them, they're great parents. They sat me down in in my pastor's office and uh, they told me I was eighteen years old. They told me, you know, you're paying three hundred bucks a month right now, and we're saving half of that for you, but. We're not going to save it anymore. We're going to keep the three hundred, and in six months, if you don't have a real job, I'm going to double that six hundred. And I just had some rinky dink, and they told me, and I'm going to keep doing that. It's time for you to, you know, they were pushing me out of the nest. They didn't want me to leave, but she wanted me to become a man. I, I I thank God for her today. At the time, I hated it, so I had to find a place to live. But things fell into place. This brother rented me the room. I was able to okay get out, and I'm 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 making my way now as a man, and. And then now you can imagine all of the, all of the, and I'm in church the whole time. I never left the church. I'm highly involved in church. You know, uh, church is all I've ever known. So I'm, you know, I don't even want to go anywhere. All my friends are in church. Again, she sheltered me from my school friends, kind of, you know, I had them, but I wouldn't hang out with them. But I hanged out with all the church kids. You know, we're, you know, we're tight knit where that's, those are, you know, those are my guys. Those are my people. So to leave the church, you know, where would I go? This is all I've ever known in my life. It's the community. Yeah. It's, it's my identity really. And so, you know, no, I'm, I wasn't going anywhere. I'm just super curious about sin. I'm just, I'm incredibly. And then now I don't live at home and all the, all the, all the, all the restraints are gone. And I'm, you know, now that train is going a lot faster than it did before. And I'm making, I'm making a lot of bad decisions in a short amount of time. I, I ended up getting put out of ministry, uh, which for me was crushing, you know. I, now I, <laughs> later What kind on, of ministries been... were you in? Oh, sorry. Something muted right there. What kind of ministries were you in? I think your mic is muted.
2: Yeah, there we go. Can you hear me? No, I can't hear you. Good. Can you hear me? So you're on mute. Now I got it. Okay, huh? okay. Man, I think my internet dropped. Sorry about that.
0: Oh, no worries. Okay um i don't know i don't know where i i I was just making a ton of go ahead
2: now the question i was trying to ask was uh what what kind of ministries were you in when you when you had to get kicked out
0: um i was in song service i was in uh and i was in a band um that my friend's dad started um for for the youth it was he started a youth band in it, you know in our minds we thought we were <laughs> something super special and we were having a blast and he was showing us how to you know not just play our instruments but set of sound and, and we were going everywhere at least in southern california we were we were we were making a lot of stops and and experiencing that so i was heavily involved in in a band and i was in song service um and you know um you know, occasionally my pastor would have some of us youth preach, you know, three, three young men, 15 minute shots, you know, I would do stuff like that. And then I would go on to be involved in children's church, pretty involved in children's church. Um, but, but yeah, like a music, you know, song service in a band was kind of my main ministry.
2: So when you got put out of ministry, um, was that in response to something specific that happened?
0: Yeah, the first time, um, was a confession again. I, you know, now this would have been, you know, my fifth or sixth confession, you know, now I'm starting, I'm starting to wait longer to confess now. Uh, and, you know, but again, there's this fear in me, you know, it, sometimes it takes a while to show up, but then it would show up and I would, I would fess up. Um, so I, I ended up fessing up and I got three months and, you know, my pastor is, is so gracious and so loving, but in those three months um, I didn't really repent. I just, you know, got caught, got put out and I didn't change anything. So I, I'm still doing the stuff, but now I'm losing weight during those three months is the time the weight's falling off. And, and now I start talking to some some girls, a couple at a time, actually. And, you know, I start doing some stuff like that and then and then I get busted. Now it's not a confession. And so three months and I was back in for like three months and then I got put out for six. And that one was really hard because um, not only did I get busted, but it it seems like, it seems like everybody and their mom got to see or got to hear about what I did. It was, and obviously my pastor didn't do that. That just happened, and you know, and I don't even, I'm not even bitter with anybody, I think, you know, maybe even you know, God allowed that and, you know, I'm this church kid. I've been in church forever. My parents are pillars in the church. And and now I've fallen off this pedestal and, and everybody's kind of looking at me funny. Or at least I feel like they are. I feel like they're looking at me. And then my attitude changed. Now I'm kind of angry. You know, I'm uh I'm mad at them, you know. I'm I'm you know, it's my own sin, but I'm mad at everybody else. I'm blaming everybody else. So that's kind of where I'm at. I don't know.
2: Hmm. Well, yeah, that that's a pretty tough thing to deal with. Um, not not just having to, you know, um, uh, be put out of ministry and then. Uh, so, what was it out of ministry or was it out of church?
0: No, just ministry, just ministry. I
1: had.
2: Okay, but but you were still able to attend at least at that point. Yeah, and uh, but then you you got add on top of that the public shame aspect and. Uh, yeah you you felt yeah. embarrassed so now every time you come in the door you feel like people are looking at you yeah so so how did that play out
0: Um. Uh, so so i get six months um and again i'm losing weight um you know in my mind i'm um you know brad pitt in my head you know this and then i now i got an attitude and you know i'm sitting in church i'm not dressing up i'm not you know i'm sitting in the back row and i'm and i'm letting it be known too i'm kind of putting my face on and my too cool for school and i'm doing that that whole thing and that's when you know i think people are kind of even more shocked you know just at my attitude just really funky and and i don't blame them i really don't anymore you know at the time i was angry i was frustrated and but now i can see why i can see why they felt like man what's going on with you you, you like you know just four months ago you know you were mr disciple you know now you're you know, as funky as can be, and uh, this my attitude, and that was kind of the atmosphere. And then, then I got, I got, and that carried even when the, the, when the, when I got back in ministry, my attitude went with me. I didn't leave the attitude; I kept it. But I would only dress up when I wanted to play my guitar, or uh, when I felt like it. And if I didn't feel like it, I wouldn't dress up, and I'd sit in the back, and I would. I would do my thing and and I'm still kind of talking to a girl, nobody knows about it, but you know we're just talking and then um it's around this time my wife comes into the church um and she gets gloriously saved um she comes for a season um, she's got a she's got an intense testimony she comes for a season and then uh but then she gets saved, you know some the tragedies the things that happened drove her to church she comes to church. But she's just coming, kind of like Medicaid. But she actually went to the local mega church for a youth rally. The biggest church in San Diego is pastored by a man named Miles McPherson. He's a ex football player, and he—I don't know what he preached that night. But she got like, like she remembers the day, the hour, that she remembers where she was. Like she got gloriously converted. Um, and and you know, you, you could kind of see it. She was on fire in the church. Just this young girl and um and i was attracted to her um and and so i started pursuing that but she's only been in the church a couple of months and i'm just off of my six months (laughs) my six months uh ministry i got my everybody's
2: eyeballing you
0: for the right reason they should be you know just a just a real like you know this is not how it's supposed to work. And I don't recommend, in fact, it should never be done this way. But, uh, but I just started going for her, but my pastor was, you know, that's when he started, you know, cause my pastor's always gracious. He, he puts, you know, and he's always been gracious. He puts, when he would put me on a ministry, it would be love. He's not, you know, but Hey, you know, it's going to be okay. You can sit down for a little bit. God's going to help you. Let's get, you know, we'll, we'll be in this together. But now he's kind of frustrated with me. He's like, what's going on man i just let you back in ministry and and you're after this girl and you're you're like what's going on and i kind of didn't care though (laughs) i kind of didn't care and uh and i was i was pursuing her she had just come to church her dad had been in the church and her dad uh her dad liked my parents again my parents are pillars and just they're just really genuine people they're really safe and and it's divine, but at the time, I look back, and and I, you know, he thought, or he just liked me for her, he really did, and I thank him for that, because it ended up working out, but at the time, you know, incredibly dangerous, probably, you know, but he just really liked me for her, because of my parents, And, and, you know, maybe he thought that flowed downhill, and in a sense, they were praying for me daily, so, you know, that all does play into it, but so he was kind of facilitating it. He was, you know, keeping an eye on it, you know.
2: This was her her dad.
0: Her dad. Yeah, he's in the church. Um, and and the moment I found out she liked me, because, you know, I didn't really have the guts to go up to her and pursue this. You know, even though I'm like a little more confident now, I still wasn't confident enough. Somebody told Not me. Not exactly hey. a player. <laughs> no, I didn't know, you know, we, you know, I come from church. I don't know how this works. I don't know, you know. But somebody told me she liked, and I that was it. That's all I needed to hear. And I ended up really falling in love with her. Um, I, I, I blew everybody else off after that. Like, you, you know, everybody else, like I wouldn't even entertain anybody else after that. I was, I was pretty, I, was, I you know, I, I fell head over heels for her. I was just really, really, really liked her. Um, and, and we'll, I look at the divine aspect of that and we'll get into that, I guess, in a little bit, but. But it just looked so it just looks so oh my goodness, what is going on here? Um oh, this is a recipe for disaster. It is a disaster every other time it happens. And in a sense, there was some some bad stuff that happened. I, I was still me. And I'm I'm not gonna change for for another five, six years into our marriage. I'm not gonna change. I'm gonna be the same guy. We're gonna get married, I'm gonna be the same guy. Um uh, you want me to go into that? You want, me to, you want me to head
2: that way? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I guess so. I mean, well, from f- well, it sounds like what you're describing is that you were back in church, and, or you never left church, but you're back in ministry. But it seems like um, there's there's a just maybe not a full commitment to Jesus in that. Is is that what I'm hearing?
0: Yeah, and in, in the time I don't know if I'm not saved. I'm sensitive to God. But I think I'm saved, and, and that's kind of how I give my testimonies. At the at, in that era, yeah, I've been saved about five years, and then the next year, I would I've been saved about five years, and for about five years, I've been saved for five years because I just didn't know when it happened. And, you know, I didn't know even. Well, I found out later. I really don't even think I was saved because I wow. I'm going to end up getting saved, and I'm going to know I'm saved. Like I'm going to know there's a huge difference. I'm going to feel like, and every, and I'm going to realize. I'm going to look back and I'm say, man. I, I don't even think I was saved. I was sensitive to God. Maybe there were seasons in there where, where I was repentant, but I kept I kept going back. I kept, you know, turning back. So, you know.
2: Yeah, and that that's kind of where the you know the truth from scripture is that when uh you repent, that's when things change, right? So yeah. it's always linked to that repentance. And repentance isn't just when I feel bad, right? Repentance yeah. is I'm changing directions here. And I guess uh At this moment, I, I would like to give you the opportunity to maybe talk to yourself in that time and maybe, you know, the people who are in that arena of their life, maybe church kid or maybe, you know, uh, early on in their in their church journey and, you know, questioning salvation and wondering about these things. What what would you say to yourself and to people in that position?
0: Um. What I would definitely say is, you know, the difference between a church kid and and say a, you know, a 30 year drug addict who comes in and gets gloriously changed. The difference is to he who's been given much, much is expected. So the process looks completely different. What I was thinking at the time is he said the prayer. I said the prayer. What's the difference? But the difference was he had been forgiven so much. He loved so much. He naturally surrendered all that prayer was his surrender of all. And he actually did it. Whereas we say the prayer and we don't, sur- there's always something we're holding on to. There's always something we're not letting go. And and I don't even think I realized what it was at the time, but I was holding on to a lot. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to say, no, here's everything, God, you know, here, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And wow. yeah, yeah, that's what I would say. The reason you're not feeling it, Jonathan, the reason you are not feeling saved is because, because there isn't that full surrender. And another thing I realized, and this plays hugely into my testimony, I realized when I got saved, I was the most wicked man I ever knew in my life. I knew a lot of bad people, but it's like God showed me, no, you're the worst. And it was personal to me. I, I, I could relate with Paul when he said, oh, wretched man that I am. And I just felt that. I felt the heaviness of that. I felt what it meant to be a sinner. I felt I knew what I looked like to all those people. No longer was it their fault. No longer was it my pastor's fault. I realized, man, I'm... So so I realized I was wicked and then I was able to get saved. But at the time, back then, well, I'm a good person, but I know I need to get saved. That was always my mindset. But God showed me, no, you're not. You're not a good person. And that's what set me free. And I wish I would have done that at like 15 years old. I wish I would have had that experience
2: yeah yeah wow well that that's a great revelation but uh but at this moment in your life, you don't have that revelation, so no. uh, you you uh eighteen nineteen years old, um your future wife comes and gets saved. she has a powerful transformation powerful so powerful. but you begin pursuing her, and so how yeah. long is it before you guys end up getting married
0: um we get married um three three years later, almost four, I, I will, she's going to be 18 right when we get married and I'm going to be 22. So she was a little bit younger. That's oh the other wow. Day. She was younger. Yeah. And so I'm freaking people out when they're in the church, they're looking at me. They're like, what is wrong with this guy? You know, uh. he's, he's lost <laughs> his mind. Yeah. And for good reason, I, I would do the same. I have daughters now and, and, and I would be horrified. Um, so we, so I, yeah, I pursue her, Um, you know, I stay in ministry again. I'm, I'm still me though. I'm making a lot of bad choices, but now I'm not confessing them. Now I'm just tucking them away. I'm just putting them in my closet. I called it my skeleton closet. I just, I'm just, and that thing's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and more serious and more serious and more serious. And I'm just tucking that away. We get married. Um, again, she's, she's an amazing woman. She's, you know, Uh, an amazing conversion amazing testimony Um, i'm in love with her i I really am she's my type she everything is all of the boxes are checked she's the one for me in fact god brought her to me and i'll i'll know that more later on um and we get married but i'm still me and i'm still making my now into my marriage now we're married And I'm still making my choices and I'm still making my decisions and I'm still doing my thing. And again, the closet, the closet, the closet. Now that this thing is packed with stuff. And I
2: would feel. uh, So just just out of curiosity and I feel free to move on if if uh, if you don't want to share too much. But um, when you say that things were getting worse and was this was this still the pornography issue or was there other things involved as well?
0: It was, it was a lot more pornography, a lot more, uh, a lot more intense, a lot, you know, and a lot more regular. And now I'm not feeling that same sting, but then there was some other stuff. I won't get into all of them. Um, but yeah, there was some other more serious stuff that I was getting involved in too. Um, all having to do with sexual immorality though. So you can imagine I'm, I'm taking things to the next step in other arenas Mm -hmm. in my life. Um.
2: So, okay, so what's what's uh, what a lot of people will maybe not understand, especially single guys like, but dude, you got married. That's supposed to solve that problem, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. The biggest myth. So, what so how the devil works is before you get married, he pushes you to have sex. He, he starts pushing you together, you know, do this, do this, do this. And then as soon as you get married, his strategy changes don't have sex. So, he starts pushing you apart. <laughs> Don't all of a sudden, it, it, you know, it'd be the strangest thing. You know, you like now you have this. I've got this outlet now, right? I'm supposed to be. No, absolutely. Not. And then the myth of pornography, the, the dangerous part of pornography is you can you can sear your you can sear your desire. Where now, now it's obviously you're looking at at something that's different than your wife, but but also the form of that now your brain needs it in a screen mode it needs it in a screen mode you the way you feel that pleasure is when you do it by yourself without getting too graphic and you you know now your brain is used to that so now when you have the real genuine thing your body doesn't want that you've been doing it the other way so long you want the screen you want to be by yourself you know your your brain is relating the dopamines and i saw a video on this it's crazy. Your brain is the the neural the neurological patterns are are like an addict. No, the way the way we get this high is this way, not that way. So you ruin this beautiful thing God made, the marriage bed undefiled, supposed to be amazing. But but you get too far into porn, you ruin that. You can ruin it. I thank God. I you know I thank God. I have an amazing marriage, and it's a miracle. It's an it's amazing for me. But I paid for a lot of those choices for years into my marriage because then I continued in my decisions after my marriage. And then that stuff, you know, when, when.
2: So yeah, well, the thing, the thing too, is that, is that, you know, before you got married, it's, it's one issue. It's, it's really, you know, I don't want to say it's a victimless crime because it's not, but you know, you're, you're hurting yourself, but there's not another person attached to you involved. And now, now inside of a marriage, Um, you, you, your behavior and your decisions are certainly having a huge effect on on your relationship. So are, are you, um, are you successful in keeping this secret from her or, or does she, is she aware of what's going on with you?
0: No, completely unaware into our marriage. And then, um, and then into about a a year in, um, I get busted the first time and it's with some minor stuff we work it out and and we keep going and she doesn't tell pastor either you know I don't think she even knew to Oh um, man I didn't tell them you know we worked it out okay and I was genuinely I think I was sorry for getting caught you know but I did feel that I was I was sorry and I hated that I had done that to her in fact when you're in the middle of that sin you, you're not having fun you're not enjoying it you're guilt ridden and then the moment it's done you you hate yourself I would hate the man that I had become. I hate that I was doing this stuff. But then I couldn't help it and make no mistake, your sin will find you out. And so I got busted one time, and then I got busted another time and then I got busted again. And then in between there I would confess some stuff, you know, to her. Um I would I would fess up sometimes. I would you know and but but on one occasion she and I don't know how she found everything. She found everything and uh and Try to confront me, and I'm lying. I'm lying through my teeth. No, 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 no. She has the evidence right in front of her, and then she yeah. And you know,
2: you know, Jonathan, and I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I think that this is the real thing that causes a lasting damage. Is not just the crime, but the cover up, right? And yeah. be, because you're living the double life, and the sexual sin obviously has it has its own consequences that you're dealing with, but. But really, you know, the, the most painful part of that is you're 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 living this secret life and having to lie to everybody else around you. And you're you're basing your whole life and building yourself up to be something that you're not. That's a really dangerous place to live, huh?
0: Ex- extremely. And in fact, God's going to begin to lead me down that way slowly. Um, You know, the cover up, but she busts me. And again, once you're busted, I have to fess up and I have to, you know, yeah 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 you've got the evidence right in front of you and but what you don't realize is you know obviously, as a man, that's not what I want. I'm enslaved to my sin, so I keep going back to it. What I want is my wife, but she doesn't understand that. She can't understand that um oh, this is how twisting the devil is, and I think this is where Paul says you sin against your own body you you really destroy some stuff because she's psychologically wounded now, she can't trust me when I tell her she's beautiful, she doesn't believe me. Um, and it really, really hurt our marriage. Um, and, and I caused it, I, you know, I was the cause of that. Um, and so now God's beginning to lead me, you know, in between, you know, when I wasn't busted, but I was still dealing with stuff. I, I remember several sermons on hidden sin, one by pastor Paul Stevens that, that, oh my gosh, probably one of the best ones I've heard. And, you know, at the time I didn't feel like it was the best. But it was called fig leaves. He talked about Adam and Eve. When they sinned, they sowed fig leaves to cover themselves. And God was dealing with me. I want you to deal with some stuff. So I went down to the altar and confessed my sin to God. But no, that's not what God was saying. That's not what he was telling me. He was telling me something very specific. Now, that's not how this is going to go down. You're, you're going to empty that closet, and you're going to make it right, not just with your wife, but your pastor too. But I ignored that sermon. I put that, I put that away. God, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'll go do it at the altar because there is some stuff now that can probably get me put out of church. Maybe. I, in my mind at least. I've done so much work, you know, they're going to put me out of church. going to put me out of church. And again, this is all I've ever known. Is church. I don't want to get put out. This is my family. Literally, they're my family. And so, you know, that happened a couple of times, you know, a couple of key moments and I remembered, no, I'm not doing that. Um I'm not, I'm not doing that, Lord. I'll go to that altar and I am remorseful and I'm so sorry and I'll never do it again. But I would, I would still do it again. And I wouldn't want to do it again. I really didn't. No, no drug addict wants to, no sin addict wants to, but he who sins is a slave to sin. And the master said I had to, so I did. Right. And, and I had no freedom. I had no, no change. I don't know if you want me to shift into my, into my salvation experience from here or do you have any other questions?
2: Well, well, yeah, I think uh, if, if, that's, uh, if that's what began, like if you started feeling more convicted about this or what was the thing, what was the catalyst that led to, you know, the, the transformation?
0: So now these feelings before they would be coming from, it's like God put it in inside. And I think it's in Proverbs it says the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord and he searches the heart. And my conscience was driving these things. Now my conscience is not driving these. Now it's like the Lord is putting these sermons in place. I'm hitting these, you know. One was a testimony from a friend of mine who who confessed all his sins. And, you know, he had to face that. And God dealt with me at that time that, yeah, you have to too. And I quickly swept that away. No, I've already repented for that. That's under the blood. That's under, you know. And then there's this Paul Stevens sermon. And again, I go to the altar. We're gonna, yes, Lord, please forgive me, wash me white as snow, and and that that's good. But for me, God, God was telling me this is going to go a different way, and so it's now it's these sermons God's placing in my in my way. So He's inspiring the conviction and the, yeah. uh,
2: the heaviness. Do, do you think that? Do you think that uh, at this moment, you know, before you are fully like surrendered to God, I guess. Do you think that there was still a bit of resistance to the Holy Spirit in you like you were you were just not wanting to 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 confess it i guess
0: yeah, to confess it for sure yeah lord why do why do we have to do it that way? Why do we have to like I'm confessing it to you, heal me and and I'll never do it again, and in fact, help me never to do it again. I really don't want to do it again, you know. But then there was also resistance in the, in the arenas that I knew where I was falling. I knew what was causing me to fall, but I would use, all right, obviously the first one is your phone, you know, you know, and then your computer, you know, obvious, you know, so some of those were easy, but then, but I used those things for other stuff. That's not sin. I was, you know, I was a heavy, I loved football. I was watching football. I had some video games, you know, Lord, those aren't sin, you know. And obviously I'm not giving that up, Lord. So it's this element where Jesus said, you know, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to go to heaven with one hand or maim than to hell with both hands. And and here's these things in my life that I'm not willing to cut off because I'm using them in so much of my entertainment and my hobby and, and it's my No, I'm not I'm not gonna go without that. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get better and I'm not gonna fall into sin anymore. So I was resisting the Holy Spirit in that arena, too. Um, Just being incredibly foolish, leaving the fire right there, holding the fire in my bosom and getting burned. Not, you know, not removing that. Um, Obviously, I needed to get converted, but the Holy Spirit was dealing with me on on multiple issues. But the confession would have been the huge one. I'm not doing that, Lord. I I can get kicked out. I don't, I can't get kicked out. Where would I go? What would I do? the the shame of that would be too much to bear. Uh lord I you know I can't do that. and I was yes stiff arming him incredibly.
2: So it was it was the fear of um, public embarrassment you think.
0: For sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. And, yeah and you know what are they going to think of me you know okay I can face the music but they're going to think um and then in, in these times you feel alone you feel like you're the only one struggling. You feel like you're the only guy going through this. I'm the only you know, everybody else in the church is a super Christian, but not me. And if they knew, you know, uh, you know, they're, they're above par. I'm not, you know, so there's this whole mind game. The devil is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Just well, really I think funny. it would be helpful to pause right at this, at this moment to remind everybody that you're a pastor, you're uh, uh, planning to be a missionary, yeah. you know, do it living for God. And to see how far God has brought you, you know, the, knowing what depths you came out of. And now, you know, I'm not saying you're a perfect person because nobody is, but how far God has brought you, I just want to give hope to people, right? No matter how deep they are or how in bondage, how far you think you are from God's will. Like there is always a path for restoration and it always starts with a willingness to confront your sin, the fear of embarrassment. So I'm curious, like how did that, begin to crack in your life
0: um, and this is where I thank God for my parents. I thank God for, my mom prays every day faithfully in fact if if you were staying at my house, my mother my parents' house, and if you if you got up around six to seven a m somewhere in there, and if you were in your room, you could listen she's mexican and, and she's got a she's got a powerful voice, and you can listen and you can hear her praying. And my mom doesn't just pray either. She, she, it's an effective, it's a fervent prayer of a righteous woman. She's desperate in her prayers. She's like, you can hear them. There's something about them that just, that just really grab you when you hear them. Um, and she's always been like that. And every day, every day. And then my dad, uh, my dad, the same way. He's at morning prayer every single day. In fact, John Dumas told me one time he came to me in church in the middle of my phone. And he's like hey man I just want you to let you know uh, your dad always prays for you he always prays for you and you know at the time you think but I'm now I'm looking and I'm seeing as God's totally driving me and cornering me and he loves me and he's, I've got these two parents and this foundation laid for me and this hedge they put around me um, and I can feel God putting me here and he's This is where the sensitivity to God is in my heart because they put this foundation in me. Again, rapture videos, am I saved? I've always had this question in my mind. There's this desperation inside to know that I know that I know that I'm right with God. And I never know. I've never known. And now God is highlighting that and he's showing me these things. And now he's pressing me. Now I'm not, now it's not just, you know, you can get busted. You can get caught. And okay, the cat's out of the bag. No, God's pressing me to deal with this. So I want you to deal with this. There's going to be incredible healing. There's going to be like, this is what I want for you. And I'm incredibly fearful, but he's, he's taking me here. I'm ignoring a couple of sermons. But I remember I remember a Saturday morning, almost like it was yesterday. It was an area-wide rally in San Diego. I'm the children's church leader now. I'm leading songs. I'm playing my guitar. I'm in a couple of bands. I'm, I'm doing all sorts of stuff. Oh, heavily involved. And I'm, and I'm trying in my own right to serve God in other arenas. I'm trying. But here I've got this addiction and I've got this bondage that's only going to get free when I surrender to God. God's going to do a miracle. But he's dealing with me. All of the stuff in my closet, not just the recent stuff, the stuff, you know, up to seven years prior. He's dealing with me. All of it. All of it. And I remember sitting in the service and the first sermon, you know, area-wide rallies are three in a row, no break. One, two, three, you know, and the third sermon was Ray Ruby. But in between the second sermon, uh, after the second sermon, I thought for a second, you know what? I need to go relieve the children's church workers. And, you know, I've heard two sermons. Maybe I'm going to relieve them. And I was getting, you know, Saturday morning. I'm kind of tired. Let me get out of here and go, you know, go go be carnal and just chill in the children's church and watch the kids. But something, you know, I don't, I don't know if I got up, but something inside me said, you know, I'll just stay. I'll just stay. They'll be fine. They're young kids. There were some young teenagers watching the kids. They'll be fine. They can watch the kids. I'll stay. And uh, and that sermon, wouldn't you know, it was on Hidden Sin. Pastor Ray Ruby and God read my mail. Just cornered me. And I remember like there's no question about it and God's dealing with me. And I even, I go to the altar and I'm, I'm telling God, if you want me to do this, you need to give me a sign. Because I'm scared to death. I'm scared to death to do this, Lord. I don't want to do this. If there's any other way. <laughs> but give me a sign. Let but, this uh, cup pass. Yeah, exactly. But uh I asked him for a sign and I gave him a time limit too. I said you got till Sunday. You got till Sunday. And it was this it was a sign. I needed my wife to talk to me about something. You know. And so Saturday, finish Sunday, Sunday goes by, nothing happens. So I think, okay, well, I put my fleece out, you didn't answer, but I'm still miserable. I can't I can't get this off of me. I can't shake this. I, I know he's dealing with me. This this heaviness on me. Well a week goes by and the next Sunday my wife comes to me and she says, A week ago I felt like I needed to talk to you about something. And 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 exactly what I wanted her to say to me is what she said to me. Exactly. And she said it a week ago. The, the timeline I had given God and God showed me, I met your demand. She just didn't come to you, but now the ball's in your court. And I knew I was cornered at that point. And at that point, I didn't care what happened. I didn't care. I just had to be right with God. No longer was it about shame. No longer was it about I had to be right with God. I had to be right with God. And so I called my pastor the next morning. That happened Sunday night. And the next morning, I called my pastor. I need to come to your house after work. Oh, um, I need to talk to you. And I. uh and I scheduled an appointment. I went to his house. And the whole day I can barely work. I'm I'm scared out of my mind. I can't even, I'm a construction worker. I'm getting nothing done. I'm my mind is everywhere. And but I go to his house and just and 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 I did what I had to do. I I did what God told me to do and I and I laid it out before I'm in complete remorse. I hated who I was and I and I was so apologetic and I remember I remember my, my pastor is amazing. My pastor, you know, he's he's my second father. I, you know, I can't explain. I've got such a deep connection with him um, because I just remember how he ministered to me and how he breathed life into me and how he encouraged me. And yeah, there was some discipline, obviously, you know, you know, I can't, you know, be leading some of these ministries, but it wasn't like this, you know, oh, sit down, you know, I can't believe you did that, you know. Hey, let's let's regroup. Let's get together. Why don't you take a break? Let's let's get this figured out. And I, I remember not caring. Fine. Yeah, let's put the ministry on the shelf. It'll he you know, it'll be there when you get when you get done, but let's get right with God. Let's get things. And I remember leaving that, I remember leaving that meeting. And I knew that I knew that I knew I was safe. I knew. I felt what they were all talking about. I felt it. The, the weight, weight that, lifted, that lifted. Yeah. Yeah. Gone. It was gone. And I could breathe. Air smelled sweeter. And I just, I could, and I, re, I like, it was within that next couple of weeks. I'm, I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm in the honeymoon stages now. I'm, I'm having a blast in Jesus. I'm, I'm so grateful to be saved. I was so grateful they let me in the front door when I came to the next service. I was just so grateful <laughs> to be in church. Just, just like, I can't explain the gratefulness because I have this revelation now that I am the most wicked person I know. And he forgave me and he loved me. And and my pastor showed me that same love. And the people in the church loved me too. And and they're great people. Again, these were all in my mind, these things that were going on and I'm you know. And I remember just being so grateful to be in church. And, and during that time, I remember thinking, man, I don't think I've ever been saved. Because now I have this dramatic experience now. I have this dramatic conversion, and I'm like, I I don't think I've ever been saved. And it's at that point, things started changing. That's when, and I was even shocked. Things that would normally just blow me out of the water, and there was no way I would survive it, you know. Some opportunity to sin or something. And all of a sudden, God is helping me. The hold that thing had on me is is broken now. You know, obviously, I'm a red-blooded male. You know, I have to guard my eyes. I have to watch myself. But it's like it's not the same edge anymore. It's not like the devil has me in this chokehold and, and I'm forced. No, it was different now. I remember feeling like, oh my gosh, for the first time in my life, like like everything's different now, and I, it was February 2017, Saturday morning, a week from that Saturday because again, I had to go to my pastor's house, put it off for a week. My conversion happened when I obeyed God. So for me, it wasn't just a prayer. I had to obey and follow through, and when I did that. God transformed my life. I you know, it, and it's been my testimony ever since. And uh, mm. and I'm convinced. you know, I can't. You know, I've got an experience with God now. Everything changed from my relationships with unsaved people, the way I approached Christianity. Because before, I was scared to tell anybody I was saved. I was scared to not be accepted. So I called myself a transformer. I would, you know. If it's the cool kids, I would transform into a cool kid. If we're talking about sports, I'll transform and we're talking about sports. But I mean, you know, I transform. I just merge. I'm a chameleon. I, I change into the crowd I'm with to please that crowd. I remember one kid in, in school telling me he found out I went to church. I think, I think my sister let it out that I went to church and he looked at me and he was like, you're the last person I thought that would go to church.
2: Oh no. And,
0: and, God, and I was doing that on purpose, right? Cause I'm trying to get this rough kid to like me. I'm trying to get this rough kid to think I'm cool. And so I'm putting on this and I'm talking a certain way and I'm acting a certain way and I'm not that person at all, but I'm just trying to impress him. Well, I did my job. I impressed him, but now I get saved and I'm not, I'm not fearful anymore. I'm, it's different. It's different now. I can't explain it. I, I begin to just be very confident in being saved. I didn't care what people, I didn't care as much. I had to develop that, I, I, you know, and there's some strategies I like to give church kids. But I had to develop that. But I remember that fear of man wasn't so prevalent anymore. It's not like I was like, they might not like me. They might think I'm weird. They might, I didn't care anymore. I was so grateful to be saved. It's the same thing that the drug addict had. He who's been forgiven much, loves much. I had been forgiven so much. I was so incredibly in love with God and so thankful to be saved. It changed my approach in every arena of my life, in every ministry I was involved in. Every testimony I would give, everything was different. Every song I would play, anything I would do for God from then on is going to be completely
2: different because I'm,
0: I got this right perspective now. I've got this amazing conversion.
2: Wow. Well, I I imagine it's uh it's pretty hard to, you know, to minister for God, like trying to help other people get closer to God <laughs> when you yourself secretly <laughs> yeah. are not really that close to God. <laughs> you know, yeah, and, I will... and Go I, I'm just, you know, I'm 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 wondering how many people there are that are even even in fellowship churches, Holy Ghost you know set on fire tongue talking pentecostal churches in our mm-hmm. fellowship uh but still you know there's people uh on the stage there's people in bands there's people even preaching altar calls and maybe even pastors in the pulpit who yeah. are struggling with the same struggle and it whether it's pornography or whether it's another um secret sin um you know, that, that is something that is a reality. People, people definitely hide things and don't want yeah. it to come out. And uh, I, I, my question that I had for you was, looking back on it now, um, mm-hmm. do you think that it could have gone any differently? And what I mean by that is the way that it happened, you had to reach a certain level of desperation, and it didn't happen until that particular Saturday. But yeah. do you think that, that that particular Saturday could have happened earlier or do you think it was God orchestrating it and you know leading your steps and bringing you through all of that and you know that was just the ordained moment or do you think that you could have had this transformation at an earlier moment
0: I think when God started prodding me I think I could have if my mind was thinking the right way but again, I wasn't thinking that way, but I think when God started dealing with me to confess. So the first one was a friend of mine dealt with his sin. And he, he was, you know, and, and they went through what they went through, you know, got their hearts right. And I remember God dealing with me, you too. You need to too. And I think if I would have responded there, I would have responded to what I knew it was I knew it was God. Maybe I didn't want to admit it. Looking back, I knew it was God, because the devil's not telling me to go do that. He's not. He's not pressing me, so I know I got this feeling. And I think if I would have responded there, and that was that was to the tune of at least three years prior, uh, you know. Oh
2: wow! So it was a three year process. You think?
0: Yeah, yeah. From that's when the first time I really felt that I needed to go. I needed to go clean this closet out. That's the first time I felt that. I needed to all along, but it's like this is the time God, like I think God is starting to like focus the. Get real specific with me. You know, I'm hearing it in sermons, but I'm able to put it on the shelf. I'm able to, you know, I've already prayed. I've already repented. I've already, but now he's getting specific and he's showing me how it looks and what I need to do for me. And I think if I would have responded then, um, and that would have been at least three years before, at least, then that would have been three years of salvation. I was called to preach when I was like 15 years old. We we would go to these youth rallies in Tucson, the, the Youth Convergence, um, and my pa- there was a bunch of us in the church, and my pastor was really just just focusing in on us young guys, 16, 16 years old, and I remember feeling like, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what God made me to do. I know it. I know it, but I didn't go, I didn't start preaching until I was 29. It's called at 15. I was married at 22, but I didn't start till I was 29. So if I would have if I would have responded, you know all that God could have done with three years. The amazing part is is so i I confessed, I got my heart right, I was out of ministry, um that would have been our May conference about the start of that one calendar year later, I was announced to go pioneer, one calendar year wow. later, and, wow. and God was showing me as soon as you're ready, I can do something very fast. I'm doing it yeah.
2: anyway isn't that is that's the story of the prodigal son right <laughs> yeah. and he, yeah he spends all that wastes all of his time and money and you know his happiness and his popularity, and thinks it's going to be you know, oh, when I get back to the father's house, maybe maybe there's a place of service there for me you know i'll I'll push a broom or something and uh but the moment he returns, it's like everything is restored, and yeah that yeah, that's exactly. that's you know that's actually. One thing that I love to tell new converts, and especially when somebody comes in to our church and, you know, you see somebody pray and you especially see that, you know, you can kind of tell sometimes when people are carrying a certain amount of guilt and shame, and yeah. bring it to the altar and they pray. This is one thing that I like to tell people is that when you take this step toward God, when you repent and make that decision, you will be blown away at how much God can do in a short amount of time. It's like, riding, yeah. it's like riding a wave on the ocean, right? You you might be out there in the turbulent seas and think that there's no way you could ever get back to the shore, but the right wave at the right moment, you can catch it and it can take yeah. you in a short amount of time beyond what yeah. you could ever dream, you know? Yeah,
0: I liken it to that scripture, and I'm not going to know exactly where this is. This is in Second Peter, I think. And Peter says, and don't, don't forget this one thing, that a day is as a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is as a day. Well, what God spoke to me one time, was, I can do a thousand years of work in one day. I, I can do what would normally take you and your own strength a thousand years. I can do that in one day, as soon as you're ready. As soon as you're ready to give it to me, boom. And, and just, I, I'm blown away. I remember in that season, I got saved and now I don't, I know I'm called, but now I'm not, I'm just glad to be in ministry. So I was doing children's church at the time. And I, you know, I told God, I'm I'm content if you want me to run this children's church for the rest of my life. I'm content to do that. I'm just so grateful. And I loved it. I love doing that. Again, I have a, I have a really connection with church kids. I just, my heart goes out to them because I know what they're thinking. You can ask them almost all to a T. 90, percent of them are going to, are going to bear witness with me and say, yeah, I don't, I struggle with not feeling safe the same. They'll use those words verbatim I've compared notes. And so I'm I'm loving it, but, but God began to clear stuff for me. You know, there was a door director, um, and, and he didn't backslide. He didn't get sent out. In fact, he got launched recently. Um, but he decided he didn't, he, he wasn't, he decided he needed to step down. He was still in ministry, but he didn't want to be the door director anymore. Um, you know, and. Okay, fast forward, when he got named the door director, I wasn't saved yet. And in my mind, I thought, I'm better than him. Why did he get picked? I'm more talented. I'm more this. I'm more that. And God dealt with me and convicted me. And immediately I made the decision, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go support him. And I'm going to love I'm, whatever he needs me to do. I'm going to do it. And I did that, which is super rare for me because I'm, at the time, incredibly cocky and prideful and just think I'm God's gift to the planet. But I didn't know I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go serve him. I'm going to love him. And now I get saved. And now I'm, I don't even care about that anymore. I'm just whatever you need. And I'm just glad to be in church. But then it's like he steps out of the way. And now now this door opens and my pastor's like, hey, you're up. I was again, I'm shocked. Me? You know who I am. Again, my pastor knows everything. You know who I am. Why me? Why would you choose me? But here's God at work and he's. Again, one. I was only door director for about <laughs> less than a year. That's how you know. I got announced the next May. I didn't go for another four months or something like that. So I, I I stayed in the position for a little bit longer. So, but it was about nine months or something as door director. But God just did this incredible work.
2: Blown away. <laughs> yeah. What is it? The uh, the the proud will be put down and the uh, the humble will be exalted. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's faithful to do that um, in time and time again in my life. You know, obviously, you know, we talked a lot about my sexual, my my problem with sexual immorality and, and how the devil, but also, you know, one of these huge things in my life, maybe even the root of one of the roots of that, that outlet of sexual immorality is this incredible pride, this incredible ego. And, you know, again, I've been playing in ministry since I was, you know, 13, 14 years old. I've been just involved in everything and everybody tells you how great you are. Everybody tells you how, man, you're, you know, serve God. You're going to do something for God one day. It's a very
2: addictive drug, isn't it?
0: Yeah. And you think, you think you're all that. And I, and then, you know, my, my family struggles with that. My mom's side, you know, we struggle with that. We, you know, we, you know, big egos, you know, you know, and nobody, you know, nobody tells me nothing. If you tell me, you know, I'm tell you, you hurt me, I'm hurt you bet. That's and you know, there's a lot of offense. You know, we hold they hold on this stuff for a long time. You know, I'm not forgiven. I'm not, and so all that's in me, you know, it's not express because because of, of my upbringing, it's probably not expressing itself that way. But but I'm incredibly prideful. Again, probably the reason I didn't want to confess this pride, this ego that was holding me back, and and so God delivered me from that, but. Then what he's speaking to show me is the closer I get to God, it's it's like the more I realize how far away I from him I am. So you think it would be reverse. You get closer to God and you think, hey, I'm doing I'm doing a little better. Hey, I got a little closer. No, the opposite happens. I get a little closer to God. You look up and he seems farther away. I get a little bit closer to God and he's like, Man, he's farther away. Like, and you know, I man, I'm still wicked. I'm still I'm still this person. I'm still struggling, like, God, I'm so but it's Paul when he says, the things I know I should do, I don't do. And the things I shouldn't do, I keep doing. And then he said, who will deliver me from this body of death? And I read that one day and I was like, that's me. Like, I, God, <laughs> I get closer to you and, and I feel more wicked. I feel like, you know, perhaps it's, an, it's a healthy place to live. But, you know, sometimes it can discourage you. You know, you think you're doing so good, and you and then you look up and you realize how far you are. It's like, man, Jesus, I need you. I tell people, I'm one missed day away of prayer. I missed prayer one time. Don't read your Bible and skip church one time, and that's all it takes for you to turn. You know, for you to run right back into things and and slide right back into vomit. Just just get away from Jesus one time. <laughs> Step away from him, and and
2: things go south. That's true of all of us, Jonathan. And that's like that's Peter walking on the water as long as he keeps his eyes on the Lord. And uh, you you reminded me also about uh, Paul, how he describes himself when he gives his testimony in the New Testament, right? And yeah. you know he says, um, you know, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and you know that had a certain uh, stigma attached to it, right? Because Jesus yeah. rebuked the Pharisees, and then his uh, conversion, it, he describes himself worse and worse until I think it's in (laughs) second Timothy where he says, and I am the chief of sinners. (laughs) (laughs) So like he's reflecting exactly what you're talking about. The longer that he's in saved, he's in salvation, he's in ministry. He realizes uh, how much more he needs Jesus. And that's exactly where we all need to be. And when we, when we get away from that, that's where we get in trouble. And I think, um, I heard a phrase one time. I, I built a whole sermon around it, and it was the idea of we when you reach to the stars, you you, you know that you're not going to catch a star, right? Yeah. But when you're reaching up, you're you're attempting that. At least you're going to get out of the mud, right? And yeah. that's the idea. Um, when we keep our attention and focus on on the perfection, when when the new te- you know when Scripture says be perfect as i am perfect be holy as i am holy okay. right like that that is that is that unachievable goal so why does god put that in front of us if we if we're not going to get it as long as we're attached to this flesh well because in the pursuit of that then we will make tangible progress uh we will get out of the mud pit eventually
0: yeah yeah that's powerful well wow. i like that Re- reach up and at least you'll get out of the mud <laughs>
2: Yeah, that was, that was the name of my sermon. Reach to the stars, get out of the mud. <laughs>
1: there you go.
2: So, Pastor Jonathan, for those who have heard this, and maybe there's somebody listening to this who is not saved, they know that they're not saved, or perhaps, like you had mentioned, a church kid or, or anybody who is struggling with that question, am I saved or am I not? I guess I would like you to give your best call to repentance and salvation in Jesus, what would you say to them?
0: Um. So I would say to those who know they're not saved, um, uh, or if there's a if there's a big question, and if the question is for good reason because you know there's stuff going on, um, you know, the Bible says I think it's in Psalms, David's, you know, the sacrifices of God are a broken and a contrite heart. These, these are what he wants. Uh, and and david said search me and try me see if there's any wicked way in me and then he went created me a clean heart this is all after bathsheba and and murder and all this stuff um and and it's showing us the blueprint for salvation blueprint for salvation is a full surrender when you have two armies and they're going to line up for battle sometimes there's there's terms of surrender and now if if the army is a little bit stronger the terms of surrender are like, you know, well, we will do this, but we're not doing that. And you have a say in it. But when the army is so much more powerful, the terms of surrender are complete and total. They, they can Why? Because why? they can wipe me out. Well, the terms of surrender with God, he is so much more powerful. He is so much more amazing. He is so much more in control. The terms of the surrender, there's no negotiation. It's full surrender. If God here's my heart and, and, and here it is. And, and that's going to look different for every person. You know, I God was very specific with me. This is how. This is what you're doing, and and I didn't mention this, but He told me, and this is the last chance. The Ray Ruby sermon was the last chance. He, I really felt that after this, the deal's off. We're done because He had been dealing with me for so long. I just felt that like this is it, or you're done. You're not going to be. You're not going to go to heaven. Um, and so I responded. So for me, He's dealing with me specifically. Um. That you know, repentance some, a lot of times is restitution. It's making things right. It's not just "I'm sorry." It's seeing your sin like God sees it, but it's also sometimes restitution. So God might be specific. I want you to do this. I want you to end that relationship. I want you to, I want you to move away from there. I might like He might be telling you something like you're you're going to leave something completely behind. And for other people, they walk into a church and it all it takes is a simple prayer because they're fully surrendered at that prayer. They're, they're done. They've been beat up by the world. They've been trampled. They've experienced it all. They, they have no need to hold on. They're like, here I am. I'm done. Whereas some of us church kids, we haven't experienced all that. We want to hold on still. And that's why sometimes it takes a little longer and then we end up having to get broken. We end up having to get flat And But if you can realize that ahead of time, you know what? I'm going to let it go. And some church kids do. I know that. They make it. And they don't go down that path and they don't go off the deep and they surrender. Here I am. Here I am. I'm going to do things right. And one of my close friends in my mother church were sending him to Florida coming up. He's one of them. Just made stands in high school. He he was very public about his Christian. He made stands. And for some of them, you know, they might, there might be that question. I don't know if I'm saved. And, and there's a balance to that because salvation isn't a feeling. Salvation is you confess with your mouth, you believe with your heart, you shall be saved. God'll save you, right, and there's that full surrender and God, and sometimes I don't feel safe you know every day I don't feel safe, you know sometimes I do, sometimes I feel you know like the devil's cousin, you know and <laughs> but that's not what it's about it's about he did and I have to faith his believing that he's a rewarder of those, so there's that element for those Because some people didn't go off the deep end, they didn't they did surrender though they said, Lord, here I am, you know, and they might not know the day or the hour, most people do though. Most people who get saved, they, they know, you no, know, I've been saved. I've been saved for eight years. I got, you know, at least I got saved in the summer of 1999. I They know like I, this was the season I got saved. There might've been a couple of events that led to it, but they know generally, but some don't, some don't, but most do. But there's that balance. and I And I think realizing full surrender is what it takes. Now, if, if you need to be like me, And drag it out. You can do that. It's very painful, and there's consequences. You know, I deal with stuff today that I wouldn't have to deal with had I kept my heart right back then. God didn't take away the consequences. God didn't just, you know, those things came with me. Now He's He's been healing me. Things He's mended. Things He's changed. Things, but but I made a lot of bad choices. But if I would have just surrendered, (laughs) I don't know if that answers your question.
2: Yes, that definitely does answer the question, and I appreciate that. So, well, we uh, we haven't even heard about uh, your ministry experience. We haven't heard about where you went to go pioneer. And uh, we also haven't heard about this decision to go to the nation of Belize. And so we're going to save that rest of this conversation for our premium members. Uh, for those who are listening to the free version, we want to encourage you to hit that subscribe button down below. All of our proceeds are going to World Evangelism, so you can feel good about doing that. We don't keep a penny. But uh, we would love for you to uh, subscribe, hear the rest of this and every Testimony Tuesday. We usually do about an hour for the free version and uh, between 30 minutes to another hour uh, for the premium block. We would love to have you join us for that. So for our free listeners, thank you for joining us. And for the rest of you, we'll be back in just a moment.